Uh, ahead of hearings this week in Ottawa, Hockey Canada released what it calls a comprehensive action plan to address systemic issues in hockey and ensure greater safety and inclusiveness in around Canada's game. Uh, lots of bullet points to this, including adopting a universal code of conduct to prevent and address maltreatment of sport, uh, implementing enhanced character screening for all high-performance players, conducting an independent third-party review of Hockey Canada's governance structures and systems, becoming one of the first national sport organizations to become a full signatory of the Office of Sport Integrity, establishing a new independent confidential mechanism for the intake of maltreatment complaints for all other levels of hockey. What is not mentioned in this is looking back and making right about what needs to happen. It's trying to create a, a system of what they say will shatter the problems with silence. Well, part of the problem with silence are non-disclosure orders and those agreements. Many people say that they have to be torn up. Easily said, harder to be done. With us this Monday evening is... Jensen Leung he is uh, an employment and disability lawyer. Good to talk to you. Thank you so very much for joining us this Monday evening. Thanks for having me. What is a non-disclosure disclosure agreement? I think most of us understand what it, what, what it is, but we should really try to define what it is and as important what it is not. Yeah, that's uh, actually a great thing to point out because the thing is uh, non-disclosure agreements uh, can mean uh, well, in the context that we're talking about, two different things, because thing is, uh, one form of non-disclosure agreement, uh, at least in the employment context, is where we're dealing with uh, protection of confidential information. Uh, so what that can entail is, for example, a company trying to make sure that someone's not disclosing proprietary information to third parties. Uh, of course, the in the context of... Uh, sexual harassment and assault and um, similar types of behavior, we're talking more about uh, what I would refer to as uh, confidentiality clauses, actually. Uh, sometimes they can be entire agreements, but the idea is that with most settlements uh, outside of, um, like whether it's uh, before court or whether it's during a court process, but before trial, the idea is that when a compromise is reached between two sides, it's very common for there to be a confidentiality uh, clause or a confidentiality agreement requiring that neither side disclose uh, any of the facts regarding um, the case or regarding the uh, settlement that was reached. Now, uh, in this context where we're dealing with, uh, with Hockey Canada as well as um, similar situations uh, where there's this overall concern regarding the overuse of those types of agreements in the context of trying to cover up misconduct, essentially. Um, that's uh, where we tend to see uh, slightly more heavy-handed agreements that uh, may or may not even be enforceable in some context, in the sense that 
They are uh, agreements that are intended to silence, essentially, uh, someone in exchange for paying some unknown amount of compensation, uh, usually. Um, so those are really the two main categories. It's, there's the ones that uh, are entered into in a commercial context or where there's a legitimate protection of information, uh, or even as uh, in the case of a lot of typical cases where it's protection of uh, basically the terms of settlement between two sides because, of course, there's a legitimate interest in that since it encourages people to uh, reach compromise and to uh, perhaps agree to resolve something even if they disagree on what happened. But uh, there's this other context, which is where it's being criticized the most, where we're talking about uh, a confidentiality or non-disclosure that's really just intended to silence someone from and prevent them from speaking out regarding someone's conduct. Understood. And for the bulk of our purposes here, it's the latter uh, dealing with the Hockey Canada context. Do you get the mm-hmm. sense, or is there anything that we really know, and we may not know the answer to this, is that how readily they have been used? We know of two mm-hmm. instances, but um, and this is a national body, but we really haven't uh, a sense of, of how frequent this uh, could have been or was in fact used, do we? Mm-hmm. No, and I think that uh, that's precisely part of the problem, right? It's that... Um, a large effect of these types of agreements uh, in any sort of workplace environment is that um, by their very nature, they're not supposed to be, even their existence often cannot be disclosed. Um, And uh, this probably is not unique to Hockey Canada in the sense that uh, uh, these are the kinds of problems that can happen in large workplaces and in some industries that will be more common than others. Hockey Canada is one example of that. And uh, the overall concern in that context is the fact that, um, especially where you have uh, a institution that's, um, whose priority is to protect a certain reputation or to protect certain high-value individuals, that can uh, be a form of enabling of that type of behavior. Um, so, for example, sometimes you'll, uh, on a much lesser end of the spectrum, you'll sometimes come across certain companies where you will very frequently hear the exact same complaints about the same manager. And yet that's not really being addressed because they just deal with it on, uh, you know, on a basis where essentially you sort out one situation and that has been settled and then they move on to the next one. Jensen, a thorny question for you, and that has Mm -hmm. to do with if you are, as a lawyer, a party to this agreement and you've been asked to negotiate uh, a non-disclosure agreement on behalf of uh, a client, an institution, a hockey Canada, and there's knowing the suspicion of a crime, as an officer of the court, are you required to report that to, to the police or to any other third party that might investigate this? Is that a requirement yeah. of, of, of you and a duty? 
Yeah, so this will likely surprise a lot of uh, the listeners today, but unfortunately, um, the duty of uh, solicitor-client privilege uh, actually um, prevents a lawyer from being able to proactively disclose that type of information. Um, There are fairly narrow exceptions to solicitor-client privilege, such as if someone was actively threatening harm against someone. So, for example, if someone were to say, I'm going to take this gun and I'm going to go outside and shoot someone, then, of course, uh, it would be quite expected for a lawyer to, uh, to like in most situations, to call the police and deal with that situation because there's an immediate threat of harm. But outside of that type of circumstance, it's actually, uh, it actually puts a lawyer in a very difficult position uh, if they were to uh, proactively disclose that type of thing, because um, that could potentially put them offside of their obligations to their client. Understood. Um, And so one wonders whether or not um, in the days ahead, when people are calling for disclosure about non-disclosure agreements, whether or not Hockey Canada or other entities can actually do that. Can they actually say, yes, we have X number of agreements and we're prepared to tear those up? Um, Has that ever been done before? Yeah, so I don't know for sure whether that's uh, been done uh, specifically. Um, So I'm going to talk more generally about whether or not it's likely that they will be able to. Um, Keeping in mind, of course, that you know, with these kinds of things, they're very fact-specific, as a lot of legal questions are. Understood, Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, in this type of scenario, I think that uh, where it's a organization that's faced with that type of scrutiny, uh, because uh, confidentiality uh, very often is a, well, it depends partially on how the agreement was drafted, because if the agreements were drafted as a one-way agreement, where basically essentially the only one that's really bound by that confidentiality is the complainant uh, or the employee. In other words, if they're, if Hockey Canada is the one, in this example, is the one holding the stick, then there's a lot more latitude for them to be able to simply waive that requirement. Uh, on the other hand, if it's a two-way agreement where the confidential is held by both sides, then I think that the right thing to do would be simply to announce that uh, if the organization is prepared to waive the confidentiality clause and not enforce those so that anyone who chooses to uh, come forward can. And I I think that in many situations, that would be the most practical solution as far as providing a meaningful opportunity for people to come forward. One wonders if these agreements have have been used all too often. And given the context of what we have seen south of the border in the entertainment industry, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent here in Canada, whether or not going forward, um, there's going to be a certain reticence to go forward with those types of NDAs. I think that in the absence of uh, some type of legal obstacle to those being enforced, uh, preferably through some action of government, I think that it's going to be uh, it's going to be up to individual organizations to tell themselves that they're not going to condone that type of behavior anymore because uh, like with a lot of 
uh, with like a lot with a lot of these types of concerns, the question is, uh, what is the downside for the organization? Uh, and unless there's some type of cost imposed or some type of uh, preventative measure that makes it so they can't rely on those, uh, there's uh, little incentive for people to change status quo, unfortunately. I'll be interested to see what happens in the days to come. Jensen Leung, thank you so very much for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. Have a great night.